A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When we think about the shitty things that have happened to us, the messiness of life, the parts of us that we don't want people to see, I really believe that that's where the gold lives. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of It Ain't Week to Speak. My name is Sam Webb, and this show is dedicated to ending the stigma around mental health through community, connection, and the hard-hitting truth. I'll be speaking with guests from all over the world about life to inspire and to educate people to speak up so that we can save more lives. Thank you for joining me on this journey. What's up, everyone? I hope you're well. Welcome back to It Ain't Week to Speak with Sam Webb. It's always a pleasure to have you guys here with me. It's always fun hanging out. I hope whether you're listening to the full episodes or just chiming in from time to time, you're learning something, something new. That's what it is definitely all about. I don't want anyone to waste their time. Time is very valuable for everyone. So thank you very much for showing up whenever you're listening to these. Thank you. If you're a new listener today, welcome. I hope you're having a great time. I hope that this podcast is everything that you wanted it to be and more. That's what it's all about. My promise to you is to get guests from all around the world who can bring some edge, some excitement, and something special to share with all of us so that we can learn and try and understand someone else and what they may be going through or you know their experience in work or their talents and all that sort of great stuff. So that's what this podcast is certainly all about. But underneath it all, mental health definitely is the core or the theme of, of what we try and speak about. But on that note, this year, we're going to be getting guests on who come from a range of different experience backgrounds and are experts in those areas. I know in the next couple of weeks, we're going to be bringing on a guest who she's an expert at personal branding. And I want to talk to her about you know what it's like And how do you build up a personal brand? What are some really solutions or tips and tricks that you can incorporate in your life if you're looking to build a personal brand and to monetize it and stuff like that? So I'm going to try and bring a little bit of business experience and some value to all of our guests this year. That's what I'm going to be focusing on. As I said, mental health will always be the core and the theme of what we talk about. And I do want to give you a bit of a heads up as to what's been going on at Living. But before I do, I hope you guys all had an amazing Valentine's Day. Whether you celebrated that Valentine's Day with yourself or someone that you loved, I hope it was really, really nice. I hope you got the chance to take a moment to be proud of yourself if you're celebrating yourself. I hope it was a moment where you got to sit back and kind of be really grateful for yourself and all the things that you've done and achieved or are working on. And if you got to celebrate it with a loved one or someone in your life, good on you. I hope it was amazing. I hope you guys were able to have fun as well and really, you know, talk about what you're proud of for each other and all that sort of great stuff. Big things happening in Living. We had the self-acceptance is the key this Valentine's, which is a blog that we put up. So if you haven't had a chance to read that, definitely head over and read it. The Gold Coast Marathon entries are opened as of Tuesday, which is amazing, Tuesday the 15th of February. And we're also having a little bit of a shop, if you haven't noticed or known, we've got a shop happening in Melbourne 
a pop-up shop in an actual store in Little Collins Street in Melbourne. We're going to be doing a couple of events over the next couple of months, selling some apparel and all that sort of great stuff. So check it out. Head to our website, jump on socials and join the newsletter and you'll know what's happening. But without further ado, let's get on to this week's podcast. I can't wait to bring her on. This is episode number 61 on the podcast. And actually, before we talk about this week's podcast, if you missed out last week's podcast when I had Sophie on and we spoke about mindset, motivation, and meaning, I really, really encourage you to go and listen to it. It was a really good episode. I actually learned a lot from it myself and no doubt everyone who else who listened would have learned a lot as well from it. So if you haven't listened to it yet, head on over. It's a great one. Well, enough of me rambling on. Let's get straight to today's episode, episode number 61 on the podcast. I'm so delighted to bring her on. Her name is Mary Hoang. She's the head psychologist and the founder of the Indigo Project, which is a an organization that kind of thinks very outside the box when it comes to creativity about mental health. And since 2009, she's actually been pioneering a creative approach to psychology, specializing in the intersection of music and mental health. And she believes that music provides the gateway to deep transformation and change. So we're going to get her onto the podcast. We're going to talk all things music, mental health, but what we are really going to be talking about, and this is something that I think will resonate with everyone, is messiness of relationships the psychology of relationships, how you can make them work. What are the biggest pitfalls in relationships that make them not work? How we can foster relationships and nurture one another to be the best version of ourselves and all things relationships. This is what this podcast is all about. I cannot wait to have her on. We talk very, very deep about this topic, very complex at some stages. So you're going to have to listen in hard. And remember, if you guys have any questions or have any guests that you'd want to recommend to the show, definitely tag myself or Livin on social media and I'll get back to you personally. And always share that you're listening, guys. Let's spread the love and let's let people know that it ain't weak to speak. But let's bring this wonderful, wonderful lady onto the podcast. Welcome, Mary. Well, I'm joined here on the podcast. It is Tuesday afternoon here in Los Angeles, but Mary is in Sydney. Mary, welcome onto the podcast. It's a pleasure having you on here. Thanks, Sam. It's nice to talk to you. It's been a long time. It has been a long time. When was the last time I saw you? Oh, I would say it's been a good two, three years. (laughs) You have grown a lot longer. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. No, I think it was probably back at your um, practice in Surrey Hills, maybe on one of those discussion nights where we had a bit of a panel going on there and had an amazing little community that attended thinking creatively about mental health drawing all the people together that's kind of cool interesting progressive in the field it was pretty fun yeah exactly and i think out of a lot of the practices that i've engaged with myself or referred to people to in the past they've certainly you know they've been good but then when i look at your practice and what you've created with you know the music side and then the innovative ways around dealing with mental health challenges and and dealing with a a really cool community. You've done it really well. Do you want to wind it back and introduce to our audience who you are, but where the Indigo Project started from? Yes, sweet. My name is Mary Huang. I'm the head psychologist and founder of the Indigo Project. We're now an online progressive creative mental health therapy service. So we can see anyone, anywhere, including people in the U.S. as well, if you're down with some of the time changes. 
And, you know, I created Indigo because I worked with street kids. I was pretty messy growing up. I, you know, grew up in an Asian family, didn't know my identity, really struggled with making friends, struggled heaps with my emotions and relationships. And I needed a mental health service when I was growing up. And I could never find something that really resonated with me. I'd like flick through websites and I was, you know, to be honest, a little bit superficial. And I was like, I can't deal with their branding. It's like driving me crazy. And it was so clinical, so based on diagnoses and mental health disorders. And I just wanted to speak to someone who could really talk to me. And, you know, through my work with street kids, I just realized, you know, We've all got a little street kid inside of us. You know, we don't want to go into a room and be told what to do and like be back at school again. We kind of want to talk to someone who gets us. And I just thought, why don't we bring the human back into the industry, which is all about connection. And let's make therapists more real. Let's make therapy more approachable. And let's use creativity to help people understand about the mind. So Not only do we have an incredible family of about 30 therapists that are all different ages, nationalities, orientations, with kids, without kids, but we also kind of step into the art and music world. So we know that we love music and music can help us heal, can help us find old memories and explore ourselves so we do some pretty wild stuff in the music space to help people really understand their minds and we do art installations where we do things like death meditations public funerals really weird wacky stuff where people are just happy to come and check it out but they leave probably like with appreciation of life so you know, you probably don't think of this kind of stuff when you think of a psychology or mental health practice, but we're pretty dynamic people and we need to have a dynamic way of engaging with life and with our mental health. And and sometimes it's not going to cut it for us to talk to someone who maybe hasn't walked the walk a bit. We're all human. We all mess up. And I think that's the kind of person that I want to talk to, and I think a lot of my community want to talk to. I love that personal approach. I love the the focus on relatability. I think that is super important in this day and age, especially, especially how fast things go. Your point there around innovative and utilizing creativity as a way for people to use as tools and strategies within their mental health journey and their mental health care, I think is a wonderful way to look at this. We know that music helps with mental health and stuff, but as far as a practical concern goes and like actually formally doing this in a practice like Indigo Project, where did that actually come from? Was there science underpinning that? Was it your passion for music? Was it a mixture of both? Pretty much a mixture of both. I mean, when you're in the therapy room with someone, you realize that people find it really hard to connect with their emotions. They apologize for crying. They stop themselves crying. They are afraid to be vulnerable in a space that's completely safe and designed to help them open up. So I found that playing music to my clients when they were talking about a difficult experience with their eyes closed really helped to create a safe space for them. And then my partner, Rich Lucano, is a composer. So with our talents combined, 
we created sonic journeys. We call them embodied practices where you lie down, eyes closed, dark room, and we put our skills together to really design a sonic journey that will not only help you to feel good about yourself, help you with your well-being, but the research shows that our experiences have a cathartic kind of component, which means that you're kind of healing from something. You're kind of grappling with something that's difficult because, you know, we all know good music makes us feel good. But like we and reminisce and you brings back past memories and you're like getting all excited. I know that feeling. Exactly. And, you know, how it's designed in that journey really can help you not only explore the difficult stuff. So sometimes people are like, why are you playing me this stuff? This is really hard to listen to. It's really uncomfortable. But what it does bring up is really difficult emotions. And I'm guiding all the way through. So people are kind of held in a really safe space. It can be done one-on-one in a therapy room, or it can be done in a group. We've done groups of like hundreds of people lying down, laughing, crying, you know, experiencing this kind of kaleidoscope of emotions. And people often say it's kind of like doing psychedelics without doing psychedelics. So we're really seeing through the research that we've done over the past five years with music psychologist, Dr. Amanda Krauss, that people are experiencing these other states of mind. And I know in the States, psychedelic assisted therapy is super taking off. And in Australia, it's there. The research is really starting to pick up. But we also want to be able to offer an alternative or something that can go alongside psychedelic therapy. So we want to be able to provide music for psychedelic assisted therapists, as well as provide an alternative to those who may be not really down for a four or five hour trip. And if you think about it from the therapist's point of view, to actually hold a psychedelic assisted therapies, you usually need two practitioners in a room. Sometimes it's a medical practitioner and sometimes it's a licensed psychologist or a counselor or mental health specialist. And you're there for a good three, four, five hours. You know, in terms of cost, I imagine that it's going to take a little while maybe for the cost to come down of these types of therapies. But when you've got music and you can get people into a similar state based on how the music is being arranged. I mean, people have been doing this for thousands and thousands of years anyway, so it's not necessarily rocket science, but there is some science to it. It's highly visual. You know, people are seeing and remembering things that they haven't seen and remembered for a long time. They're achieving states that, you know, in the last two years people haven't been able to achieve because it's been so exhausting and tiring so it really is such a revolutionary way to deal with the mind when people maybe not might not be able to access these types of medicines or afford them and it's a new way of looking at it it's a new practice to try i guess it's something new it's out of the box it's innovative and if you're used to going to see a a mental health professional so to speak and doing the same stuff and maybe not getting the best results or the results that you're hoping for it's always good to try new things do you agree Absolutely. I mean, I think it's like a, it's like a gateway possibly to maybe going into therapy because, you know, it's pretty scary, like opening your heart, spilling your beans and being really raw and vulnerable with someone that you have no idea about. And we know that people do sometimes go to therapy and they don't find the right match for them. So I think going into a setting that feels pretty easy, like 
going in, lying down with your eyes closed, doing it with your friends. You know, we've done them online throughout the pandemic. So people can kind of tune in from anywhere. They can just be in the comfort of their own home and it's easy. And then people go, wow, I think I got more out of that than my last therapy session. Or maybe therapy is something that I want to explore because I'm holding a lot of stuff and and I've realized that through the session. So it's it's kind of like a segue. Yeah. If you put your mental health hat on for a moment, I know everyone's got their own story and their own journey, but is there any kind of advice you could give to someone right now that might be listening, that's contemplating maybe seeking professional help that's kind of like on the fence? Absolutely. I would suggest that it's important when you're thinking about it to act on it because we often wait until we're at rock bottom and shit has completely hit the fan and it's a really hard place to get out of when the hole is that deep and you're in this very void-like space. If there's an inkling that support would be a good idea for you, I would suggest to kind of open your mind, get that help, but then really understand that it's not just about I'm just going to deal with my anxiety or my depression or this person's going to help me to deal with certain feelings in my relationship. I think the way people look at therapy really needs to shift and we've been trying to educate people. When you work with the right therapist, it will change every aspect of your life. It's the whole mind body really coming together so that you are back in tune with what you want, what you need and how to get there. It's not really about focusing on these small problems or one big problem that you think you have. It really is going to be like putting on new glasses and seeing the world and yourself in a different way. Yeah, that's very well said. And I mean, you've seen it with your own eyes, being in a practice, having your own psychologist work beneath you and you guys all talk and share insights and tips and all that sort of stuff. It's really interesting and it's really, really nice to know. And you guys are doing amazing work at the Indigo Project. You know, I've been fortunate enough to have been in your practice or clinic, whatever we want to call it, you know, a number of times. And it's always been a safe haven. It's got that good vibe about it. Not to put any other practices down by any means, but it's kind of like you're not really walking into a place to go and seek professional help you know what i mean it's kind of like edgy it's cool you feel very comfortable the moment you walk in like the people at the front door are young like everyone's got that vibe about them you know what i mean we want to feel a sense of identity and connection with the things that we're engaging with these days it's not enough for a brand or a company just to say that they believe in community and that they can offer more than the service that they offer. I think it takes a lot of work to put the heart and soul and humanness into a business. And that means that a company that people align with philosophically and feel like they're proud to be a part of, that they will not keep it like this kind of hidden secret, like my skeleton in the closet. It's time to just realize that we're all in this together and life is extremely messy and we're born to connect and we're born to want to reach out and talk about our experiences, even though it makes us feel extremely uncomfortable. That's the pathway that we need to actually healing and building a sense of community within ourselves and around us. And you guys have done a tremendous job with making it a safe space. So you're almost creating a brand movement with a mental health practice, which is rare. So that's kudos to you and the team, Rich, and everyone else involved. I think it's amazing. Love supporting you guys. Highly, highly regard you guys of, you know, doing amazing work. So for anyone listening, if you're ever in doubt or need to seek mental health care or 
seek a professional. Definitely check the guys out at Indigo Project. They're doing amazing work. And you're still in Surrey Hills, aren't you? Well, we actually went online last year because the pandemic just like turned everything upside down and inside out. So, you know, the building was pretty much empty for almost a good part of the last two years. So what we also found is that people just loved staying digital with us. And, you know, we were able to open our kind of doors to people from all around Australia, all around the world. And for now, that's still going to be the way that we're going to roll. Well, once it's safe to have events, we'll still have all our cool events. But, you know, I think until a little bit of the uncertainty has shifted, I think the best thing for my own mental health is, you know, have some certainty in how the business is going to roll. Yeah, no, that's nice. And I think telehealth and having the people to zoom on in or however they come in through the room, so to speak, uh, you know, they can do it from the comfort of their own home. And that's one less barrier people have to look at when they're seeking mental health support. And I think the difference between that and like, you know, there's a lot of digital services out there, but I think you can actually really get matched with us. You still talk to a human, you still get to say, hey, you know, this is what I'm working on. I'd like to work with someone who's maybe a dad and, you know, around this age and gets me in this way. And having a digital company with soul is really important in these days where everything can kind of feel like you're just overstimulated by technology. Yeah, exactly. Or you're losing touch with people because you still need to keep that human interaction. I think that's so important. I'm always interested to know, and I always tend to ask this to most people, what do you do for self-care? Well, one of the biggest things that I did in the last few months is move out of the city. I had to actually change my lifestyle to really care for myself. And that was a massive move that I've been sort of thinking about for the last couple of years. But I've found that the closer that I am to nature, the more that I understand that life is impermanent because we've been getting some wild weather in the last couple of months in Australia. Been lightning storms, thunder, it's been all sorts of rain and then beautiful days. And being able to look outside my window and to know that everything is changing all the time makes me understand that my emotions are changing all the time. I lived in a little kind of tiny Surrey Hills apartment. God, I loved it so much, but it really kind of disconnected me sometimes from the, the natural world. And the natural world is the ultimate healer. I see therapy with my therapist as a non-negotiable it's weekly. If I'm feeling a little bit better, it's fortnightly. That's like a non-negotiable. Something that I've been learning to do in the last year is to learn how to play again. So I've been taking ceramics classes, dabbling in a little bit of painting. I just need to find my childlike nature again because I've been running a company for 10 years. It's been really freaking stressful. And I need to find that little girl in me that maybe never really got to play when she was younger. And I'm rediscovering what it might be like to see the world like a child again. I think that's amazing. And I think everyone has their inner child still. So thanks for sharing that with us, Mary. I really appreciate that. But it's interesting. It's a non-negotiable for you seeking your own mental health professional support. A lot of people probably think, oh, if you're a mental health professional or a psychologist, you probably don't even see anyone. It's good to talk about that. I seek mental health professional support almost weekly too. I'm back to doing weekly and it's been very helpful for me, but everyone's different. Everyone's got their own plan. So it's always important to prioritize your plan now and prioritize yourself. Let's transition on now because I want to talk to you about this book. Darkness is Golden. Talk to me through it. Well, darkness is golden. When we think about the shitty things that have happened to us, the messiness of life, the parts of us that we don't want people to see, the uncomfortable emotions, guilt, shame, embarrassment, pain, fear, etc. Those are the parts of our lives that we want to suppress. But 
I really believe, having worked with people for 10 years, that that's where the goal lives. So I developed a book where people can really take a journey through their minds, guided by me. So it's kind of almost like you're being coached by me. It's very personal. It's very practical. There's a lot of music in it while you read. There's like a playlist for reading so you can like really sink into Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. And then there are audio experiences that Rich has made that allow you to actually embody some of the shifts that you want to shift. So I guess the journey from beginning to end is like going into the haunted house of yourself, your own mind, where all the rooms you typically don't want to go into because they're parts of you that you're too afraid to explore. So I take you through all these rooms and we clean them up. We sort them out, you know, we change the furniture and we basically do things like help you heal your relationships, set boundaries, communicate in your relationships, learn how to sit with your emotions, deal with them, design a life that actually aligns with your values. So knowing the therapeutic process that I've been taking people on in the last 10 years, it is really kind of like a step-by-step very warm and engaging way to deal with your shit and get your shit together, basically. The music is there because I think sometimes we take things in through reading, but I think we actually need to feel what change feels like in our bodies and visualise it and actually pump ourselves up or feel difficult emotions guided by someone else in a safe space. Wow. Okay. So the book's obviously been out for 
a little over 12 months and it's going amazing. I know you talk on relationships a lot within the book and I definitely want to pick your brain on some of that today because I think a lot of our listeners and audience would be very interested to talk about you know, the messiness of relationships, how to deal with messiness of, you know, of relationships, their own relationships with themselves, but the relationships with people in their life that they love. When I mention the word relationship, what's the first thing that comes to Mary's mind? Well, I think about the most popular workshops that we've held at the Indigo Project over the last 10 years, and it's how to open your heart and how to find the perfect partner for you. And the content that is in those workshops really revolves around are we having realistic expectations in our relationships? A lot of people actually expect so much from their partners, family members, friends, etc. But it's particularly in romantic relationships because we're kind of living these more insular lives where maybe we're living with our partners, maybe not living in a community. We're expecting so much from them. We're expecting them to be our lovers, our best friends, therapist sometimes every single element of support and it's a lot of pressure for someone in a relationship to be able to hold space for all those things so if we lived in a community you know we would be able to get some emotional support from our friends a little bit more often we'd be able to get support maybe with our kids from other parents from our grandparents wisdom from elders you know we wouldn't probably be putting all our eggs in one basket so when I think about you know, relationships, I think about where do these expectations actually come from? And I think about it from that societal level. But then I also think about fairy tales. And I think about how we're we're thought to think that, you know, there's the one and the right woman. And there's a lot of pressure for us to find like this kind of perfect person that fulfills everything on this list. But it's so important for us to really be mindful of the shit that we're bringing into relationships, the expectations that we have. And think about if your partner had those expectations of you, how would you feel? You might feel like you're under a bit of pressure because nobody's perfect. You know, I think about those that are kind of dating in these times. And I think, you know, sometimes there's just so much stimulation that it's so easy to say, oh, you don't fulfill these things on my list and I'm going to move on. I'm a bit old school. It takes a little while to get to know someone. You know, it took me at least three, four months to really understand whether the person that I was in a relationship with was really the right person for me because we needed to go through some really tough times, I think, because when it's good, it's amazing. You know, you're like, yeah, like it's, you're killing it. But then someone has to maybe go through a really difficult time. Maybe they lose their jobs. Maybe someone in their family passes away. Maybe they just struggle with some type of difficult emotion. And you've got to see people maybe not at their worst, but you maybe, you know, in not a great place to see how they are vulnerable, how they might communicate, how you deal with conflict. I think these are better indicators for healthy relationships than even when whether you like the same stuff or not because you can kind of be different and still seek to have harmony in your relationships not project shit onto each other really you know listen and maybe understand that when there is conflict it's not always personal that there's sometimes something else that's being brought up in those types of situations so relationships are an absolute minefield They are very complex. And obviously we could probably talk about this for another 24 hours. What's your advice to someone who's probably got a partner where they're struggling? How could you best support that person? I think, 
it's really important not to take on the role of their therapist because we tend to take on so much responsibility. It's not that we don't want to be there and supportive of our partners, but it's important that they're seeking their own support as well and that we play a role where nobody really wants to be told what to do by their partners. It's always nicer coming from someone else when you're like, oh, yeah, 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 and I hear that. I can implement that. But when it comes from you, it can change the dynamic. If someone is like the fixer in the relationship and the other person is like, you know, the one that's all tends to kind of go through the stuff. But I think that it's really important to understand that when someone is going through a difficult time, they're going to be experiencing really difficult emotions. And those emotions are going to be causing them to feel uncomfortable in their bodies. It might make them more reactive. They might get more irritated easily. They might get more angry. They might feel more sad. They might withdraw. There's going to be certain patterns in how people deal with difficult emotions and it's different for everyone. So being able to understand and have compassion for how your partner may be grappling with difficult emotions is pretty important because it's easy to take things personally. But how can you distinguish? Sometimes it's very hard to distinguish the difference, whether it is personal or not. For anyone listening, they might be into a a relationship that might be kind of like pretty bumpy, might be doomed or something like that, but it could all be something that the person who's struggling is going through, but person who's who's the caretaker or the the fixer, so to speak, is the one that's feeling like it's about them. So like, how do you manage that? And like, when, when is it enough to be unhealthy versus healthy? And where do you step in and sort of say, hey, is this a personal thing? Are you having a go at me? Or is this something that's going on that's out of my control that I can help? Like, what do you say about that? There are definitely boundaries where if you're the person that's in support, you also want to still maintain a sense of self. You're not endlessly giving and you're not just taking shit all the time because that's not the point either you you know you don't have to be the punching bag in the relationship necessarily either so firstly the person who may be supporting someone needs to understand how they give and whether they're overextending whether they have a tendency to maybe take on stuff and not say anything but I think what you were already getting at is good communication we're all going to go through difficult times in relationships and sometimes both people are going to go through difficult times at the same time. And we need to be able to communicate, this is what I'm going through. This is likely, you know, what is coming up for me and how I might react to things. That's why it is important if you don't, people don't understand that type of languaging, that they have some support from someone outside that's able to guide them in being able to express what's going on for them. So it's not just like someone being reactive all the time. You can find moments where there's stillness in a relationship and say, this is what I'm going through. These are the feelings that I'm having. And, you know, these are the things that can make me a bit edgy. And so when you know, like if my partner's going through a tough time, there's moments where I'm like, I have compassion because he's having a difficult time and I can sense that he's a bit irritated at me. And then other times if it happens too much, like I might say, hey, that's obviously starting to hurt my feelings now. But his capacity to also say, I realize that it's not about you and that it's about something that I'm going on. All those levels of communication really help to bring understanding into a relationship. But when there's maybe one person or both people who are unaware that most of the time it's not personal, it does get messy. So having you know that external person can really help 
with managing the communication. But I would have to say there are red flags in a relationship. What are some red flags? If someone is overly secret, they don't want to let you into their lives at all. You know, there's a component where someone may just doesn't want to commit to sharing their lives. You just want to keep their life on there. They don't want to introduce you to their friends. I think that becomes a red flag after a while because it's about sort of sharing your lives together. I mean, when I was talking to my relationship kind of therapist at Indigo yesterday, they were like, you know, things like infidelity, you can get over. It's not totally black and white if someone cheats in a relationship. You know, our relationship couples counsellor was like, it's not once a cheater, always a cheater. She's been able to work with couples who have been able to really deepen their relationship because they both wanted to show up and heal it. There's a lot to be said about the intention of two people coming into a relationship and the ability to want to work through things. And that comes back to what we were talking before. What kind of expectations do you have about being in a relationship? You expect it to be like, this person completes me and like my life is like, you're just going to be set yourself up for failure, really, aren't you? Because it's false expectations, really, at the end of the day, because that doesn't exist. There's always going to be good times and bad times. And it just probably comes back to communication again. Exactly. What are your thoughts? So you talk about red flags, and I want to I want to come, come back to the red flags in a moment. But I'm interested to be talking about the fixer, right? So say if in a relationship, there's someone that just really wants to just be there and fix and try and fix, but they are tending to be the punching bag all the time. And whatever they're saying or doing isn't getting through to the other person. And changes aren't being made. Where do you draw the line on these things? Like, where does it become like a toxic relationship? Where does it start becoming a maybe something where you've got to actually call in support for someone else to come in and help if they don't have that outside support, you know? It is tough because I remember when I was working, you know, in one of my first jobs as a problem gambling counsellor and so many people would call up and there'd be family members who would be like, I need to get this person support, but they don't want it. You know, I'm going out of my mind and everything's going downhill and I'm really doing my best to support them. It is always very important for the person who's giving, who's supporting, who may be in the fixer role, which is, you know, a tough label for someone who's trying to support. But you can go into a part of fixing, which is maybe maladaptive or, or unhealthy in the relationship. But when you're in that fixer role, you need to take care of yourself because it's like for being a therapist. If you're giving out so much and not refueling the tank, you're no good to anybody. So you're not going to be good to yourself. You're not going to be able to good to all the other people in your life that you may be supporting your job and the things that, that you've got going on. And you're actually no good to your partner who's actually, you know, going through something difficult and, you know, it's going to take time for them to get through it. So sometimes we need to check in with ourselves around how we give and why we give because sometimes how and why we give isn't always about the other person it's about us feeling good about ourselves this is you know obviously a really complex conversation but we're going to try to break it down sometimes we need to examine ourselves and say do I get a pat on the back when I've helped others in the past? And is that part, part of my identity? If it is, I really need to be careful about how much I'm giving. Do I tend to feel depleted after a while or resentful when I give and I don't get back in return? Do I give to myself as much as I give to others? These are really good questions that people need to be asking. 
if you happen to be in a relationship where you give a lot and there's this like dy- dynamic where you're always giving and maybe a person's always taking, it's very easy to start to pick up a pattern because it's six months, one year down the track, the person is not seeking help or resistant to help. And I think that's where it becomes you can only lead people to water, but you can't make them drink sort of situation. You have to have boundaries in a relationship where you realize that this is impacting on how you may be feeling about yourself. And it's like, what do you want for your life? You know, what stresses are you willing to deal with and cope with and maybe negotiate with so that you feel like in the relationship, there's a sense of, you know, the person saying, this is really difficult. It's taking a lot of time, but I am getting support. And, you know, they're openly communicating. I think you're a bit more likely to stay in that relationship. But if you're getting like a solid brick wall every time you're trying to help and nothing is getting through, those are relationships that sometimes after a while you might need to walk away from. And that's a really difficult thing to say, but it's dependent on what you think you want in your life and how that person is able to be able to meet your needs as well. But then there are people that just don't know when to walk away from relationships. Then it becomes toxic. And then they feel like they've got to keep fixing and keep fixing to a point where it's a detriment to their own mental health and their own lifestyle, you know? And then they're like programmed to think that they have to be there and they feel bad if they're not always supporting someone. So it's kind of like, do we call someone else in for support? There's so many red flags as well. Well, you know, we might think that the person who's going through a difficult time needs support, but that's why I say the person who's the support person really needs that support to make sure that you know someone's checking in with how much they're giving and ensuring that they're not overextending ensuring that they're able to sit with sometimes feelings that are uncomfortable when they don't give by setting boundaries and saying this is what I can do and this is what I can't do and that will bring up guilt for some people and you need professional support sometimes to actually deal with those emotions and maybe they go deeper than you think into sometimes environmental family relationship where you know you were taught at a really young age that you had to give to get attention and validation very deep very complex stuff i'm glad we're talking about it and it's unreal so thanks for sharing that over the years right and and obviously writing the book, getting feedback on the book and the success that you've had with the book. And then we're talking about relationships because I do, I'm really interested in this topic. What do you put it down to the single best things at work in relationships? I know we've talked about communication, trust, transparency, but is there anything else that I'm missing when it comes to a fruitful relationship? Yeah. You know, I think sometimes we got to get over winning in relationships and have the value of harmony because most of the time I am right. Right. But sometimes you got to surrender. Exactly. Because it's more important to help your partner feel like they're in this world with you, doing life with you, that you're in a doubles game of tennis rather than playing kind of like singles tennis against each other. I love that. I love that. It's just the feels of a relationship. I think it's so important that we create with our partners a vision for our relationship, how we want to feel, what we want to do together, how we play, how we fight, how we resolve things and revisit that every three to six months and saying, hey, are we doing the things that we want to do? Are we actually still on the same team? Or we like kind of got the chalkboard out and putting points up because you did this and now I can do this and you know. I think it can get to that place where if we start to erode the fabric of a relationship, you know, it's sometimes really hard to come back from seeing that person as 
opposition rather than your lover and your friend. So we need to sometimes understand like what kind of glasses are you wearing when you talk to your partner and when you see your partner, are you like critical or, you know, like I did all this stuff today for them. They're like just sitting around the couch, blah, blah, blah. And how can you switch that into maybe understanding, oh, I'm feeling really lonely because I'm doing all this stuff. Maybe I'm overextending. Maybe I need to communicate. Hey, I'm just feeling really lonely right now. And I, maybe it's not even about doing housework and all that stuff because I think we kind of focus on these tips of the iceberg, but really, you know, we're in relationships. We're like two little lonely kids that sometimes don't know how to communicate our emotions and we need to get back together and play again and find a sense of wonder in the world of like, you know, when you're first dating discovery, just. Yeah, exactly. I feel like, yeah, you're right. Communication, transparency, talking about things, being on the same side. I really love your analogy around that tennis match. You know, this is not a, a singles game. It's a doubles game. You guys are on the same side. Yeah. You know, I think it's so important that people have their own lives. Codependency is like, I mean, another huge topic, but it's like where people are becoming enmeshed in each other and everything is contingent on what the other person is doing and people aren't spending enough time you know, like do one thing differently from your partner every day. Maybe that might sound really simple, but a lot of the time, because we've been in this kind of pandemic world, we've often just been in the house with our partners. We've got to have our own interests, our own hobbies. We've got to have our own friends. Away from the relationship. It just, it creates it more sturdy, more healthy. But it gives us something to talk about when we get excited because we've gone, I've gone to my ceremony class, I've come back and be like, oh my God, I made this thing, it was so ugly. And then you can talk about it. And I think that's what can bring that breath of fresh air back into relationships where it's not always about, well, we're going to save, buy a house, like things get so serious. It's all about the kids, it's all about doing the dishes and keeping everything clean. And it's just, yeah, it gets, it gets boring really quickly. Talking about having kids and talking about, uh, speaking with you on this podcast you're only are we allowed to announce that you're you're a couple of months away <laughs> from having a baby so that's going to be a life changer for you but as we come to an end on this podcast i could speak to you for hours absolutely hours on this topic of of conversation being relationships maybe we can get you back on and we can talk further about it or we can explore another chapter in the book but you're two months away from becoming a mum. how's it feel uh terrifying and exciting what are you most terrified of the ability to deal with projectile poo. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Is that it? Is that it? Okay. Okay. And, and uh, what are you most excited about? Finding my kind of inner child again when I'm learning how to play. Mm. Sounds unreal. It's going to be a life changer. I'm not a father yet. Hopefully <laughs> one day. Yeah. But you guys are in for one hell of a ride. I've got a lot of nieces and nephews and I watch my brothers and sisters. They've all got kids and it's, it's, it's full on. So I'm sure you're prepared both mentally and physically. I want to ask you one question before we wrap this podcast up. What is the one single thing you've learned over the years, the most important thing you think you've learned, if you had to nail it down to one thing? To not hold my feelings in. I've actually had to learn how to cry with someone over the past few years and let them hold me. I used to just bottle everything up, work through it, exercise through it, you know, try to think my way through it, deal with it by myself and move on, maybe talk about it afterwards and share it, be vulnerable. But it's really in that moment where I feel like I don't want someone to see me like this 
where I'm really messy. For example, you know, a few weeks ago, sent a text message to Rich, who was downstairs and said, could you come upstairs? And I'm having a really tough moment. And he came upstairs and I was in the fetal position having a cry in the bed. And, you know, that was really vulnerable for me and really connected for us because he was able to come in as the protector and I was able to really be, you know, be seen for the messiness that, that we all are and be held. That's really beautiful. Thank you so much for, for sharing that with us, Mary. And it's, it's really good advice, I think. It definitely uh, sinks in with what the podcast is definitely all about with the fact that it ain't weak to speak. So music to all of our ears and I appreciate you sharing, appreciate you doing all the great work that you do with the business, with everything. You're a great human being and I've been very fortunate enough to know you for a few years now. So for those of you who don't know or don't already follow Mary, let's share your, your socials and I'll also share them in the show notes as well with all the guests and with all the audience members. Where can people find you, Mary, and the project? Yeah, so Indigo Project, indigoproject.com.au, find your therapist, get matched, email us, call us, Mary Hoang Indigo socials, just give me a bell, a DM. And the book, Darkness is Golden, is in all sweet bookstores. You can also order it online. That is amazing. And I'll, uh, I'll pop all of these notes, guys, in the show notes so you can access Mary's socials, the Indigo Project, Darkness is Golden, her book. You can follow her journey. And no doubt we'll see you in a few months once you've uh, given birth. You're nice and healthy and happy. And we might get you back on the podcast then. Whoop, whoop. Looking forward to it. Mary, it's been a real pleasure. Thanks so much for your time. I love you. I'm going to leave you. Look after yourself and have a great day. See you, legend. Thank you again for listening in to another episode of It Ain't Weak to Speak. Please like, share, and spread the love to as many people as you can. Let people know that you subscribe to the show. Don't forget to leave a review or a comment so that we can grow this community together because a conversation could save a life. If you want to continue this chat, please join me on the podcast Facebook group at living.org. I can't wait to share the next episode with you, but in the meantime, stay well, keep living, and remember, it ain't weak to speak. Thank you and have a top day. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.